So I want to talk about the church today, and our text that we're going to start with is Ephesians chapter 3, 21. And I think this is like one of the most forgotten purposes that we even exist as a church here in this scripture. So Lord, I pray, God, for your anointing. I pray for your blessing, every ear to hear, every ear to receive, every heart God would just would grab a hold of what you want to speak, whether it's through my words, Lord, or you speak something else in, in this message, Lord. So we commit it to you, Lord, and we just pray for, for power and unity to flow from Alcazano Church in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again, Pastor Aaron, for the great privilege of, of being here. It's a, it's a privilege to, to preach. It's not a right <laughs> it's a responsibility and a, and a privilege indeed. Ephesians 3.21, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, and that was penned by Paul 2,000 years ago. You look back then and say, okay, yeah, that early church gave glory to God. But if you read that and just let it sink in, it's saying to all generations, to all ages, forever and ever until he comes. So that means that the very glory that that church was birthed in was the intention of God for that to continue to every generation. Whether generations before us failed or not, that's water over the dam, but here we are today, God's people. We are a generate that we are still in this church generation, this age of grace. And that ends when the Lord comes and raptures us and, and takes us home. But till then, it is our chief duty as the church to bring glory to God. How do you think the church is doing? Think about it. I'm thinking about I'm not talking about specifically here, but the church world. How do you think it's doing? I think it's mass confusion out there. Men have taken over much of the church with their denominations, running them like their businesses, using marketing schemes, all these things. But, you know, I want to remind you, this message, is my intention is for it to be very simple this morning, so it may be Church 101, but the church belongs to Jesus. <laughs> And it's amazing how people, we can forget that. He is the full, complete owner of the church. People can buy a building, <laughs> but God can, it's only, Jesus says, on this rock, this truth that Peter was speaking, I will build. This is what Jesus is saying, I will build my Church, twice he referred to himself, I and my, it is his church. Praise God. Doesn't that liberate you, Pastor Aaron, that you don't have to do this, you don't have to pull the strings, you don't have to press the right buttons, you don't have to learn, learn the latest fads? It's like, it's your church, Jesus. Praise God. <laughs> we should run from pastors who do not get that, from churches that don't understand that the church belongs to Jesus and that he purchased this church with the blood, with his blood. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you were bought 
at a price. Therefore, you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which, which are God. If you are bought, how much more is the church bought? Amen? It belongs to him. And he will build it. You know, in, when I started pastoring, as I said, two days ago, 21 years ago, um, we went on a couple months. The old, the old pastor was still with us, and then he moved on and moved somewhere around April or something that year, and there was about 18 of us left. We were meeting in a little storefront, and we started to grow. We got, by, the, by fall, we got just 30-some people, and we got a letter a couple times from the city of West Dallas that we didn't have the, the proper permit to be. We were in a little storefront right next to a hobby shop on 82nd and National. Some of you may remember that. And uh, we got a letter that we didn't have the proper permits to be in there. And so I would talk to the owner and see, you know, I was offering my, because I was a contractor, I says, I'll, I'll do some of the remodeling. We needed like another bathroom or upgraded bathroom because we were sharing one bathroom with the hobby shop. And, uh, but he was, he didn't want to do anything. So we got another letter in October that they were going to, if we didn't do, you know, uh, do something, make some changes, they were going to turn it over to the city attorney. So I just read it to the church um, that morning. But leading up to those days, Again, there's like 30-some of us. It isn't so con convenient to just meet in someone's living room anymore. And, and so seriously, I just said, so, you know, I was, I was so delivered right from, the moment, from that first year I was passed. I said, Lord, this is your church. These are your people. And if you want me to continue to be the pastor, you want us to continue to be the church, then you do something. You take care of this matter. I will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and I will let you. I wasn't being a smart aleck. I wasn't commanding or demanding, but I says, I'll let you do what you do, and I'll just obey my part and seek you. So I read that letter that October, and one of the guys in the church says, oh, I know of a building that might be available. Within a, within a week, we had an offer in, land contract. But he ended on December 31st. We signed the deed to, to have a church building. And we were in there for, for, I don't know how many years. I forget how many, seven, eight years or something until we in our new church out in in Muskego, which is nicer. It has ground-level bathrooms and all of that. The other one had ba down in the basement, little narrow bathrooms. So praise God, but you got to turn it over to him. Amen. Be delivered. Because you know what? It's his church. And if he wants this church to go, then it's up to him. We just have to be faithful. We, If our church generation would give the church back to Jesus, then saints and sinners alike would believe in her once again. There's a lot. You, I'm sure some of you that are, if you you know enough people, you know Christians that quit going to church. Because why? Because they quit believing in it. They've been hurt. They've been offended, and all these different things. But if the church would, if we'd give it back to Jesus, it would once again be the pillar and ground of truth. What caused that temple? that Samson pushed on those pillars to fall? Those pillars. Once those pillars were pushed over, that whole temple collapsed. And if we want the church to be the pillar, 
<laughs> again, then we have to give the church back to Jesus Christ. Saints, again, will have true confidence that truth will be preached in that place. My one, my one mentor, I went and heard him preach so many times, and he repeats himself a lot every year. But one of my favorite things that he would say every year, somewhere along the line, he'd say it. He'd go, preacher, you may, you may, you may look holy in the pulpit, but what does your wife think of you in the morning? You know, is he really the truth? Is he really the truth that he preaches, or is he a phony once he's not in the, in the church building? But we would be confident, again, if it was Christ church, that truth would be the banner. <laughs> everything that would be said, everything that would be sung, everything that you would say to one another as you minister would be truth. Praise God. And that's what sets us free. I don't know why people monkey around with it. Why they try to, to, to cover it and shadow it and, and try to twist it and manipulate it when it's the very thing that people need to be set free. If you had the answer for cancer, would you give them an aspirin? <laughs> would you give them uh, radiation therapy and all these things? No, you'd give them that very cure that could heal them of their cancer. Truth is what this world needs. Amen? That's why there's so, there's so many lies out there in this world, because the devil got in control. We are in an antichrist society. Sinners would not mock the church anymore for all of her infidelity or this attitude as like all the church wants is your money. Instead of denominations, we would be one holy nation. Is that what we were called to be? One holy nation. Praise God. Barna, you've, some of you are familiar with the Barna. They do statistics on the church and all that. And a few years back, they, they made a claim that a third of churchgoers, I won't say Christians, but I'll say churchgoers, quit going to, going to church and don't have any intention of coming back. And I can just write in my way in my mind picture that they got comfortable with sitting at home in their pajamas a cup of coffee and a donut. Hey, you know, why get out and plow the snow? Yeah, I had to plow 600 feet of driveway this morning, mine and my neighbors, before I could come here. But if I could stay home, ah, I'll get at the snow a little later. You know, I'm just going to sit around and enjoy the fireplace or, or something. Why, why waste your time going to church? And... They've discovered getting up early and getting ready is really not worth it. Well, there's two reasons for that. Number one, they're not really Christians to begin with. They're churchgoers. But another reason is because the church is, the dead, is dead to begin with. And they found out staying at home, it's really no different. Nothing's happening. I'm not, you know, I'm not, the church is dead, so there's no, there's no love for the people and no love from the people. And, you know, many of us, like at our church and your church here, we love each other. And, and part of my disappointment with being here is that I'm not with my church, whom I love. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> and uh, even when I go on vacation, it's like the, the worst part about vacation is I'm, I'm not at church. Where a lot of people are like, oh, good, I don't have to go to church this weekend because I'm going on vacation. It's like, well, that's the disappointing part of vacation. Or if somebody asks me to preach, you know, to not be with God's people, but there's no reason to go if you don't have these relationships built, if the church is dead and it's floundering. 
Um, there are two reasons people are not affected by the, by the church. One is their hearts are too hard. You know, Jeremiah preached and preached and preached, and they claim he never even had a convert. Why? Because Israel's hearts were too hard. And we are in a we are in an area of hardened people. I think D.L. Moody said that Milwaukee is a evangelist graveyard. That's what he said back when in the days he lived. This is what I heard. Uh, Stuart Briscoe said that. I think it was him, and uh, so he had some connection to that. But, but there's another reason is because the church is not being the church that God intended it to be. So we are living in a generation where many Christians have soured on the church, and, and those from TCIW all know of Penny. When I, Penny came into our church, and uh, she was... She came just because she knew a missionary we were having, and she was all mad and frustrated with the church. I saw her, I was talking to her in the back, and she's having a little argument with the guy. And I said, well, where do you go to church? Oh, I quit going to church. She's all irritated, and she just kept on. She started coming back a little bit, and now she, one day she told me, he says, you couldn't get me out of this church. She says, I'm going to be hanging on to the back of the pews if you try <laughs> to get me out. But she had such a distaste in such a disappointment, in such a dissatisfaction with the church. And you know what the devil wants you to do? Avoid it. He wants you to quit attending. And I'm here to bring a completely opposite message. I'm here to say we need to be the church. It is God's ordained vessel. That's what we need to be. We need to grab a hold of God. We need to let God be God in, in his church. Some Christians and churchgoers lost hope for the church to be anything more than a religious organization. And we are living in a church generation where the focus and the object of our devotion and our worship has been something other than Christ. We offer entertainment Today, we, uh, there's all kinds of, of, of things and gimmicks and programs. And I'm, I'm not lumping it all and saying that's wrong, but that seems to be what the people are attracted to, and it needs to be the presence of God is what needs to be the chief reason we even want to meet. There's churches and denominations, they specialize in attributes of God. So they, you're confused by that because it seems right and good. Let me give you an example. Holiness churches. I'm sure you all heard of holiness churches. What is their specialty? Holiness. Well, why not? God is holy, and we must be holy. But holiness cannot take precedence over Jesus Christ himself. Holiness church made holiness a uniform and it made holiness a set of rules more than the Bible. I, th I believe the Bible has enough commands, commandments for us without adding more to it, right? And you got, you know, all of these different regulations and rules like the Pharisees had. So who's going to argue against holiness? But what happens, like in holiness churches, Jesus ceases to be preeminent. It's about holiness or faith. 
Without faith, it's impossible to be saved, correct? Without faith, we cannot please God. But when you become a word of faith, then faith becomes the preeminent thing. It's no longer faith to believe God, but it's faith to get this, faith to get that. And you start detaching faith from God himself, and it becomes a, you know, a specialty for the church. We can even be guilty of that charismatic, Pentecostal. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. Everyone, everything that that Bible says, I believe are for today. <laughs> that makes me believe in charismatic, which charisma, charismata, the gifts. I believe in what happened on Pentecost, real and for today. But when I say I'm charismatic, you know what? The first thing that says, that's a person that's about the gifts. I want to be about Jesus. <laughs> I want to see what, and I see that man, when I see that woman, that person loves Jesus. And when you get Jesus, you get the gifts. And when you have Jesus, you have holiness because he's in you. When you have, when you, when you have Jesus, that means your faith is anchored in him. Praise God. How about this? In the name of Jesus. You know, in the, in the word name means authority. When we do stuff, when Jesus says, you can do that in my name, that means we can do it under his authority. And we go as far as to say, in the name of Jesus, when we pray. And I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. I'm not saying that's wrong. But that in the name of Jesus has been taken and been made a denomination out of it. Now you have to be baptized by saying, in the name of Jesus, or you are not saved. Christ ceased to be the center. Jesus has to be preeminent one in the church today. This is like a no-brainer, a, a no but this has been lost. And it's as simple as this, letting Christ be preeminent in your life. It has to start with you. <laughs> and then when we gather, that'll be the testimony of the church. Amen? If it's not in you... It's not in the preacher, and it's not in, in the pews. Then it ain't going to be when we gather. But if it's in each of us, that'll be magnified. Amen. And it'll be seen. People will walk in, and they'll be confronted with Jesus. Yeah. Not your program. Not your charming personality. <laughs> but it'll be the Lord himself will be present. Praise God. You know, we can even go so far as to put the Holy Spirit preeminent. Over the Holy, what does the Holy Spirit do? Reveal Christ in us. But if we just make Him the, our, we, we don't worship the Holy Spirit, right? We, the Holy Spirit helps us worship. <laughs> we worship in spirit and truth. I mean, He's part of the Godhead, so He gets worshiped. I get that. But it's Jesus is the one that we, that the Father receives the glory. To Him be glory in the church through who. Christ Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in us, makes Christ real, and God gets the, you know, the whole Godhead gets the glory for it. So our call is to see the real church, the church that glorifies God, be re reproduced here in our generation. Again, by Christ being preeminent. That's our responsibility. This is our watch, this is our time. The church 
is still God's ordained vessel. He never had it in his plans to scrap it. He never had a backup plan when the church would fail. And many ministries have started because the church has failed to fulfill her call. That's not the answer. Well, I'm going to start this up. I'm going to do this evangelism ministry because the church isn't being the evangelist it should. No, the church needs to get back to being the evangelist that she needs to be. And it's sometimes it's as simple as understanding this is the church is the vessel that God called, period. That's it. To all generations. And we believe that in, in our heart and embrace that in our heart and give ourselves over to that as people. The church will explode with God in his presence. Israel failed many times. No matter how many times they backslid and got you know, overrun by Babylon and Assyria and all that, they were still God's people. And that same unchanging God called his church. And though the church may have, we can look back and complain about what the church has been and all of this and whose hands it got in, today it is still God's choice. <laughs> it is still God's ordained vessel to minister his life and his love, we are to demonstrate that Christ is alive. Those words were said to me back in 1997, an old apostle old preacher, and it devastated me. I was like repenting all the rest of the week. God, forgive me for not understanding what it means to be a Christian. We're called to make Jesus real in this world. Um, he has anointed his church. So the church is to be a vessel, just as you were sharing, Matt. It's to be a vessel that God can expand his kingdom through. Sometimes we're, we're so much about church, we forget that there's a kingdom of God. That God raises up the church to expand the kingdom of God. So sometimes churches are so inward. They can barely, they're just in survival mode. They're just trying to get along, just trying to pay another bill to exist a little bit longer. A church like that has no impact in society. But a church that's lively and, and thriving, full of the life of God, they're gonna, things are going to change out there. People are going to be saved that are out there when you have a church like that. So his will is to be carried out by his church. So instead of discarding the church, we must let God reestablish his church again. Just give it back to him. It's yours, Lord. You said you would build it. And I'm going to take you at your word. Praise God. We must commit to letting him have the church be his way. And you believers have the privilege of letting God establish a genuine spirit and fire baptized church right here in Elm Grove. Praise God. It's your privilege. Hallelujah. God is welcoming you and you can come in and do my work and I'll give you everything you need. I'll give you my spirit and my and baptism of fire so you can make an impact. Then the church will love, move in love then the church will move in unity and authority and will have power again. You think God is going to 
make it so people come to churches where the people are fighting? I mean, you all have all that in the world. You want to come in where there's genuine love, not phony love, real, genuine love in the real, genuine presence of God. So this word, this, this sermon isn't real long here. I'm getting towards the end already. But there, there are two parts of, of the church that I want to talk about. In Ephesians 1, and 23, it says, he, And he put all things under his feet and gave him, that's Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is what? His body. I love it. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Isn't that awesome? Just let that sink in your heart. Take that home and, and read it a couple times and let that get in your heart. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body and fullness of him who fills all in all. I'll tell you, that makes me want to be a part of the church. Doesn't it make you? Like, I want to get in on this. <laughs> Praise God. So we see these two very simple things in this scripture that the body is made up of two persons, you and Jesus. It's not, it needs not be any more complicated than that. You don't have to add this or that to it. It's you and Jesus. Him leading your life, you loving him and obeying him. He is the head of the body. And you know, when you're, someone's the head, that's where all of the commands come from. Right? From the head. And the rest, the body obeys the head. For my arm to go up like that, my brain had to send a signal for that arm to go up, for me to lift that leg. My brain had to send a signal. Could we be so attached to Jesus that as what he thinks we do? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> you know, there's a beautiful illustration I heard years ago that, you know, Aiden... Aiden was up here playing the piano. And there's probably plenty of you that don't know how to play the piano. But if you could take Aiden's brain and put it in you, you could, maybe your fingers wouldn't be as like loosed up and stuff, but you could come and sit down here and look at the music and your mind will automatically make you hit the chord. You just know right at it. You might not even know where the notes are on the piano. You might not even know what a chord is. But you could actually get up there and just put your fingers in the right place and get the, get the beat going. And you'd have it all, you know, as your fingers got adjusted, you'd be doing because you had his mind. Now imagine, take the mind of Christ and put it in his church. As he thinks, we do. I know Isaiah says, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And the Old Testament is as much as the Bible is the New Testament. But under this new covenant, we have the privilege of having the mind. <laughs> the Old Testament, we didn't know his thoughts. And we couldn't know his thoughts. I mean, he, he spoke to people, no doubt. And the Spirit would come on people. But in the New Testament, the Spirit co comes in people. And we get the mind of Christ. Imagine the church having the mind of Christ as he thinks we do. Huh. Awesome. We would know what to do because we have the mind of Christ. 
So the head is where all of the commands come from, and the head is where the mind is, and if we want the mind of Christ, we have to let him be the head. Aaron, Aaron, Pastor Aaron is the under-shepherd. He, so to speak, is the head of the church, but he knows, because <laughs> I know he knows, that Jesus is the head of this. And it's his business to get the mind of God for this church, because God still uses leaders, first apostles. You know, you read it all in 1 Corinthians. You know, people say, oh, God doesn't, we don't need any more leadership in the church. Well, just read your Bible, read Ephesians chapter 4, and believe what it says, and it'll end that whole issue for you. And you'll understand that God still has apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But it is their business to get the mind of God. And bring it to the people. And that's all, as I said, 21 years of preaching, that's all I've ever did. There's nothing fancy or unique about me. But every week, and I can say I've done this my whole 21 years of pastoring, every week, God, what do you want me to say to the church? And I did that. That's all I did. And the church is full of life. And it's full of God. Because... It's his. Amen? And I learned that. If God, you want us to stay together, then you do something. And he gave us a building, like, unbelievable. I'm pinching myself, you know. <laughs> First, or Colossians 1.18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, that in all things he what? He may have preeminence. And if you're about holiness and you're about faith, then let him have preeminence because he's holy. If you want to be holy, let him in you. <laughs> That's what makes us holy. You know, there's, there's thing, you know, the, some of the church world thinks that you can do things to make yourself holy. You know, that's impossible. You cannot make yourself holy. All you can do is defile it by disobeying God and, and not living in purity. You defile holiness, but you can do anything to make yourself holy because that comes from him alone. Praise God. You want holiness? Then let him in your heart, every, every bit of, of him in your heart. Colossians 1.24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Again, it's just another confirmation scripture that we get this understanding in us. The body of Christ is the church. When someone says, I don't need to go to church anymore, here's what they're saying. I don't need to be part of the body anymore. See how closely they're connected? If you're a part of the body, then you are a part of the church. I don't know what if you have anything... I never even talked to you about it, but we don't have, like, membership at our church. Some, every once in a while, someone says, well, what can I do to be a member here? And I says, just say you are, and we'll take you at your word, and we'll expect you to act like one. <laughs> right? I mean, if you hire somebody to do carpentry work, and they come on the job, and all of a sudden, like, they don't know how to read a tape measure, you're going to say, okay. Uh, you might have wanted to be a carpenter, but you're not. You don't even know how to read it. So when... Someone says they're a Christian, there's nothing wrong with you for taking them at their word and then expecting them to act like one. And if someone says, well, I'm going to be a member, then okay, be a member. Love us. We'll love you. 
Let's, let's serve God together. Let's worship God together. Let's obey God together. Let's be member, real members of the body of Christ. So the body which is us must cooperate with the head. We must obey the commands that come down from the head. As God thinks, we must think. God has a call on his church. We must fulfill that call. Again, there's no way out of this, everybody. Saints of God, there's no way out of this. We have to accept the responsibility from God that he's put on our generation to be the church. Not what you think it should be, not what I think it should be, or Pastor Aaron, but what God wants it to be. And he ain't going to keep that from us. He will show us. He will reveal it to us how the church can really be. I used to be so kind of irritated with God. I don't ever think that's a good thing to do. I'm not saying to do that. But I was like, God, show me an example of a, a, New Test a church that functions in New Testament capacity. I get so frustrated. And then one day all of that frustration left me and I started thanking God for the adventure of discovering it for ourselves. All I did is open up that Bible and just keep on reading it. And it'll read the book of Acts. Show us how the church should be. And then God just started doing that and started revealing that. And voila, we can have a church in this generation. There is one thing that every real church has, has to offer if they're going to glorify God. So I explained what the church is, you and I, members of the body of Christ. I explained who owns the church. It's him. And one of the greatest needs we, we need in the church is the presence of God. <laughs> like, come on, don't you have anything more, more to say to that, preacher? The presence of God. What more do you want? I mean, we claim we're looking forward to going to heaven to be with him. So we don't even have to wait to get to heaven. We can be with him now. We can be with him now in our prayer closets, of course. We can be with him now while we're on the job. And how much more can we be with him when you bring him and you bring him and I bring him and we all gather together in the presence of God? You should be able to feel that. There should be a manifestation of Jesus, of God, when we meet, if we are really bringing them. You get a lot of unbelievers in, they start, they start changing that. You get a lot of unbelievers in that, that, can, that can hinder that. That's why one of the things you must understand that church is for Christians. That doesn't mean that a non-believer can't come in here, but if they do come in here, let them see Christians. Let them sense the power of God. Amen? I mean, that's what church means, ecclesia, the called out ones. You can go to a church and not be a Christian. <laughs> but real Christians are the church. And we should say, instead of I'm going to church, we should say, let's church. Let's gather today. Praise God, we get to gather today. If the church is, is supposed to be God's house, that is imperative that the saints and sinners alike can go there to be in the presence of God. You know, there are sinners that come into church actually wanting to meet God. And uh, it's sad that so many of them leave and never got it. 
They just got some old dried up religious format that's been going on and on and on for, ge- on for generations and no life. I feel bad for people like that. It's one thing if they come in and experience the presence of God and say, I don't want it, I just want to live in my sin. That's on them. But it's on us if they, if they come in. It's like, this is my last desperate attempt. Is there really a God out there or not? I'm going to go to his house and see. And then they leave and they go, I guess there isn't a God. <laughs> or... There really is a God. Praise God. I got saved today. (laughs) Acts 3.19 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, I love it. When we come to church, we can be refreshed every time we come. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. If the presence of God is in our fellowship, I guarantee it, every Sunday you leave, you're going to be kind of floating around, bouncing around, springing your step. The sky is going to look bluer, even if there's cloudy out. The grass is going to look greener. Boy, that tree is big. You know, everything's big and marvelous because you just got refreshed in the presence of the Lord. You'll not despise and like, oh, I got to go back there again. It's like, I mean, even my little grandkids, they go to prayer with me, they're uh, 8 and 10. They go to prayer on Tuesday. What little kids want to just go to prayer meeting, you know, and, and things like that. But it's because of the love and the, and the presence of God that they feel. Love for God activates his presence. See, it doesn't need to be any more complicated. Love for God causes us to love our brethren. If you think you love God, and you despise the people that are sitting in in the chairs with you, I promise you, you don't love God. You might have a little degree of it, maybe, and maybe you just got saved and it's got to grow. But if we love, you know, and 1 John makes it pretty clear that if we don't love, if we love God, we will love our neighbor. We will love our brethren, right? Praise God. Some Christians love the operations and administrations of the church, and some love the church work. But that doesn't mean they love God or love his people. So we want to be people that love God. So in conclusion, you and I make up the church. And if God is going to have a powerful church in this world, it will be through his saints. We can't pass the buck on to anybody else. It's sad some Christians get to a point, well, you know, I've been faithfully serving that church for 40 years. Now it's just time for me to kick back. I think that's such a terrible, such a, a terrible thing and pass it off to somebody else. I think as you get older, sometimes you get more freed up to serve God even more, you know, spend more time with God. Isn't that what you would desire, Pastor Aaron? <laughs> How many times you say, oh, running that, I, and I did that too for nine years, ran a construction business while I was pastoring. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tall order, but it, it can be done, praise God. But if it, again, if God is going to have a powerful, a true powerful church in, in Elm Grove here, he's going to be doing it through you all. I'm not saying that he can't raise up another church, but he's going to do it through God's people. And we're, you're already here. It's already being established. We might as well really be. I'm not, and again, I'm not accusing or saying that you're not that. I'm just encouraging you and wanting you to really understand we, it is his church. 
we don't need to be bitter and frustrated and, and want to be done with it. No, it's the vessel, it's it that God's going to use. There is no other option, so you must be the church. And God called Pastor Aaron to start this church. So are you willing? Are you with him on his venture? Are you willing to be the church that God would have you to be?